0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Welcome to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman of the Sacramento Bee. And we have, we're going to just kind of start diving into the 49ers rookie class, some draft stuff, the roster, and just kind of get geared up with OTAs starting here in just, uh, just a couple of weeks. So we're going to do that. And also at the top, we're going to talk about something that Matt Mayoko said on Bay Area Radio that was, uh, that was pretty interesting about Sam Darnold. So let's dive in.
2: Blue Lion.
1: Dude, I was so ready for the bit to like be back, back And now it's been like 61 and raining.
4: <laughs> the basketball season ends and I'm like super excited to get back on the golf course and just, right. just impossible.
1: Yeah, no, no chance.
4: Just doing me zero favors. It's fine. We'll get there eventually. It'll be 110 in Sacramento before you know it. So.
1: And you're going to be hoping for 61. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Or just. I mean, the nice thing is is like even those hot days, it, you can get on the course at like eight a.m. <laughs> It'll be like seventies and eighties until until noon, and hopefully you're done by then. So
1: very pleasant. Um, the bad news is when it's hotter, you're going to need to crank that AC down for your houseplants. <laughs> is that true? No. Oh okay. no! Just
4: <laughs> okay. As a new houseplant guy, I was I was unsure if. Are they you
1: are know, they impacted by AC? No, okay. no, no, no. I mean, unless you're, unless it's like super extreme where it's ninety five or fifty four in your house. Okay, yeah, I don't think that. But I don't nice. think yeah. Just check the water. You know, make sure that they're not drying out. Yeah, for sure.
4: That's key. Once every two weeks, I was told for the uh, the watering of, of the houseplants.
1: Yeah, that's about right. Okay, give or take.
4: Tweet Kyle if you have any houseplant suggestions.
1: No, that's it. I just know what I've been told by the lady at Home Depot. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) And Heather does, uh, my wife does a lot of planting. We have a whole little like setup. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in like it's,
4: I got, I had a room, like my living room was kind of empty. Like you've been in it. It's not Mm -hmm. like, there's not a ton of stuff in there. But adding just three plants to it, albeit one of them is kind of big, like seven feet tall. Changes the room completely.
1: I'm all. Oh, in. it absolutely does. I'm all in yeah. on house plants. Yeah, me too, man. Cool. I'm Good all talk. in. Good talk. Shout out. Love a house plant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about different plants in the house, but I passed. Uh Maybe next time.
4: We'll, we'll get we'll get uncle. going
1: on the on the plant material going forward. Yeah, no, we'll definitely rock that. Um, you mentioned something to me today, or you brought something to my attention, that Matt Mayoko said on Can in the Bay Area. And it's interesting. I believe you have the quote.
4: Well, he said Sam Darnold, quote, he might be, can I say this, the most talented thrower of the football that the 49ers have ever had. I don't think he said it with that much inflection in his voice, but he said, let's just put him in a very high echelon of guys who can drop back in the pocket and throw the football. I think that he hasn't really had a chance to succeed since his college since his college days have been over. I think he's had four head coaches in 5 years, five offensive coordinators in 5 years. He's a talented guy. Um love Matt, one of my one of my favorite people on this earth. I consider him a, a close friend. Um I hope he feels the same way. <laughs> Saying he's one of the most talented throwers of the football the 49ers have ever had is is probably a stretch. But his point isn't crazy in that, like, he's a talented guy. He's a top three pick. Yeah. Being a talented player and being a great quarterback are not the same thing. No doubt. He didn't say he's a better quarterback than Joe Montana. Right. He said he's super talented. And, like, keep in mind, Joe Montana was a third round pick. Right. Right. Like Sam Darnold was a first round pick. So if we're just going purely on talent and projection coming into the draft, like that is sort of what Mayoko is talking about. But it is kind of a a, I think he knows it (laughs) with the way he said it, but it's kind of a crazy thing to say.
1: Well, and there's a difference. Like it's hard to suss this out, especially in a radio hit where you're trying to just like answer a question. Right. Yeah. It's there's Sam Darnold. I wouldn't, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you took Sam Darnold and all the other Niner quarterbacks that they've had in a practice setting, and it's like, hit these targets or throw it into this area of the field. If he could just stand back there and practice and wing it with the best of them. But it's like, what happens when you get in the game? And what happens when you have to read a def- defense and change protections and make it throw into a tight window with the game on the line? Like, those are the little things. Those are the things that separate Joe Montana, that separate Steve, you know? That talented players like Sam Darnold haven't had in their career. It's the same reason why,
4: like, obviously the combine gets a lot of eyeballs because you're just looking at talent. You're looking at athleticism, right? Like, quarterback's different, obviously, Mm -hmm. because it involves throwing a football. But, like, in terms of talent, you can sort of say, all right, if you're really good at all these combine drills, maybe you're a pretty talented football player to a certain extent. Like, mm-hmm. it's just being talented and being a great football player are not one and the same. So I think there's there's a clear line of delineation that's made when Mayoko says this. Like, from a pure talent standpoint, he's he's as good as anybody they've had, which I guess you can make the case for. But in turn, that doesn't mean he's one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had, obviously. Like, Jamarcus Russell was the number one pick at mm-hmm. one point. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> if we're just talking well, talent... Yeah, if we're just talking talent, like Jamarcus Russell was super talented, which is not a good football player. So I get what Matt's saying. I think the the broader point, which is what you said before we came on, was that the 49ers are talking up Sam Darnold a lot.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: the 49ers seem pretty happy to have Sam Darnold. And whether it's Mayoko talking about him or Ian Rappaport talking about him, like these guys aren't just saying this stuff willy-nilly like they haven't heard anything right i'm of the strong belief that they've been told by people within the organization and and matt mayoko even mentioned like frank Gore, and gore is is i guess in a consulting role and, and sort of in the draft room but i don't think gore's the only one who's saying stuff positive about sam darnold just in terms of the talent i heard sure. about sam darnold even like there was somebody who i I heard <laughs> just this way, from somebody reliable that they were, su- they were surprised that Sam Darnold went for as little as he went for when the Panthers traded for him from the jets. Hmm. And that like the, the feeling of Sam Darnold optimism has been around in the 49ers organization for longer than just this offseason. So I think it probably goes back to the way he was viewed as a college prospect. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a belief and everything we're hearing sort of signals this. There's a belief that maybe stability, the right surrounding tailoring the right offense to him could get more out of him than what we've seen to this point. Sure. I don't know if that, if that's actually going to happen or if that's realistic at
1: all, but I think that's the 49ers belief. Yeah, and it would make sense. Like he played the quote unquote best football of his career last year at the end of the season for the Panthers, where Steve Wilkes was the interim head coach. So it would make sense that is Steve Wilkes being in the building would vouch for him. It's like this is a good guy to bring in. And then you consider whether he's been good or not, he's played more football than Trey Lance. And I wouldn't put him on the depth chart above Trey Lance, but you can see where if you're the 49ers, you can talk yourself into that. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a bona fide legitimate sample size of this guy playing in the NFL and they think they can fix A, B, and C and help him elevate his game. Whereas they don't have that same thing with Lance. It's still projecting. And I, I mean, like I said, not the choice that I would make, but it wouldn't, floor me if in week one Lance was QB3 no I'm I'm to the point where I'm almost expecting that honestly yeah the fact that Rappaport hasn't just been like and who knows maybe he's been like Sam Darnold's QB2 right now like well keep in, in mind that multiple times
4: Sam Darnold like you said played some decent enough football at the end of last season while Trey Lance was dealing with ankle complications and having to go back right. and have a second surgery Right. So if we're just talking from a health perspective, who's been better recently and who's the more healthy player, it's the answer is Sam Darnold. But Trey Lance, Trey Lance is going to have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't imagine the 49ers. I mean, if the 49ers came out and Sam Darnold was the only one getting first team reps, that would say a lot, right?
1: Yeah. That would say yeah, a whole sure. hell of a I, lot. I don't believe that would be a good idea either. <laughs>
4: I don't think it would be a good idea because either. Here,
1: let me let me just real quick. Sam Darnold played the best football of his career last year. He went four and two and six games to the Panthers. He's moving around a little bit, running more than than he used to or or, or had previously. He completed fifty eight point six percent of his throws. And that was him playing some of his best football. Like for his career he's fifty nine point seven percent in his completion rate. I'm not 100% convinced that that's a product of the offense that he's been in or the weapons that he's had or whatever. He might have the, all this arm talent, but, dude, if you're spraying it all over the field, it's not going to matter. Like, I think that's one of the issues that the Niners have with Lance is that they don't think that he can hit layups consistently. And I don't – I maybe Sam Darnold can, and that bears itself out, but I wouldn't be ready to bet on it. Yeah, I mean, so
4: I don't, I don't like making this comparison because I'm, I'm not trying to do it, but I'm just trying to use it as an
1: example. Okay,
4: like it took Alex Smith six seasons before he was actually like a decent NFL starter.
1: Six seasons and and the right system as well.
4: Yeah, a lot so of I'm stop not... routes. <laughs> but Braylon Edwards run stop. <laughs> um, no, but I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it is possible that. Like it's not unreasonable for the 49ers to look at him and his situation and his age and his draft pedigree and what he was as a prospect and say, yeah, let's take a flyer. Why not? We have no reason not to. And given Mm -hmm. that he did actually play football at the end of last season, it's not unreasonable to be like, yeah, he's probably had a Trey Lance right now, but I'm with you in that. Like not giving Trey Lance the reps to develop is problematic because you like, you're not, you're not doing him any favors by burying him on the depth chart and forcing him to take a bunch of reps with a bunch of undrafted guys throughout the offseason program, right? Hmm. So it's a tough, it's a tough challenge, but I I think like I, I'm I'm kind of to the point where we're gonna learn a lot about how the 49ers feel about Trey Lance this offseason by how reps are divvied up. Because if they're talking this much about Sam Darnold and sort of getting this messaging out there to this extent on Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. like it's it's notable that it's not about there's not the same level of messaging when it comes to Trey Lance. Right. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Like their opinion is right or wrong. I just think it's notable that all this stuff is happening.
1: Mm, I agree. I definitely agree. I, I thought the rap report report on it at first was odd. And then he said it again during the draft. And now Mayoko saying this. It's it's definitely like they're gearing they're gearing up people for Darnold to be taking the first QB one reps in camp. Yeah. Which, man. I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, we've talked about the tra- the handling of the trail lands thing, so many times, that I don't really want to dive back into it. I just don't understand their process there. Like, I, I, I understood and I respect the idea of taking a big swing for a player that you believe can be that elite top three to five quarterback who's going to make you a Super Bowl contender just by being on the field. And great. I, I get that swing. But then to take that swing and then to throw that rock and then hide their hands, basically, is insane to me. And and, and I defended the, the, the process of the Lance pick for a long time, uh, up until very recently, because I thought that there was going to be some chance that he was going to get a real opportunity. And maybe he will, but it very much looks like they've decided they're done with this. And now it's like, then why did you waste the three first round picks if you were never even going to try it? I like it's, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I
4: think, I think something like, first of all, if, if it's not a very clear, like 50 50 competition and Sam Darnold's a dude getting reps over Trey Lance, and that, then to me, that sort of says that they're punting. On, yeah. They're, they're just punting on it, which yeah. I'm, I'm of a couple of different minds about it. Like, if you think it's a sunk cost and you are convinced that this guy is not any good, then move on as quickly as possible or go a different (laughs) direction as quickly as possible. Don't hold on. Don't hold on to it because you made the trade and you invested those picks like those picks are gone. But on the other hand, you knew this was going to be a project and you knew it was going to take time. And you just saw a seventh round, the Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, become your starting quarterback. Why would you be closed off to the idea of Trey Lance developing and realizing his talent and being effective in the offense that you spent basically two drafts sort of building towards? Yeah. Right? So, like, you know, I, I'm i kind of split. Like, I, I think ultimately – I. Ultimately, my suspicion is Kyle Shanahan has not been super honest in terms of when he's talking to the press on the record. I don't think he's been conveying exactly how he feels about Trey Lance, and I don't think John Lynch has either. But I think what is going to speak loudest is when the offseason program starts and we see exactly what these reps, how they're getting divvied up. Right, Because if it's it's Sam Darnold and every practice he's the first guy out there with the starters and it's not like a rotation, it's going to say everything. No matter what Kyle Shanahan says to the media, and Trey's working his way back from injury, Trey's not getting any first-team reps while Brock Purdy's hurt. That says all you need to know, in my opinion. And Shanahan's not really one to like – he kind of goes into – the offseason program and training camp with like a clear vision in his head of how these reps are going to get divvied up. We haven't really seen him do the thing where he's like, all right, this guy's getting the first team reps today. This guy's getting the other guys getting the first team. Right. Right. Been pretty steadfast in like who gets reps where, and he's not really the type of guy who's had an open quarterback competition really to any point during his 49ers tenure. Nope. So I think, it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. But right now, right. given
1: all this messaging, it's it's pointing towards Darnold. Which means bit. given the fact that they've neither of them have taken a snap, that means they signed Darnold with the full intention of making him the either starter if Purdy is out or the backup when Purdy's healthy. Yeah. And that's man.
4: I don't know. Injuries suck because I'm still convinced Trey Lance would have played some pretty good football last year
1: had he not gotten hurt. I agree. That's why I think wherever he winds up, whether it's the 49ers or another team in a couple years, I think whenever he gets an opportunity to play, he's going to kind of figure it out. and He's going to be pretty good. Talented. I, just... I don't know
4: if he's the most talented thr- thrower of the football the 49ers have ever had, but he's talented.
1: Trey or Sam Darnold? <laughs> Trey Lance.
4: Trey might be the most talented all around prospect just from a pure like skill set perspective they've ever had. Yeah. Because like he's physically bigger than Joe Montana was. Right. And Trey's like 6'4. Bigger arm. Yeah, 6'4, 220, bigger arm, like physically strong and more athletic, but obviously Joe was Joe's a little bit better.
1: A little bit. <laughs> At playing quarterback.
4: A little bit. Steve Young that wasn't bad either.
1: You want to talk about the draft class? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So, what I want to do with this is just run down the whole draft class. We don't have to take an hour. I just want to run down the draft class and just try and figure out where this player fits in the roster, what their role is going to be, and see if we can iron some of that stuff out. Because Kyle Shanahan said they felt like they needed a starter at one position that was kicker. Also, (laughs) John Lynch also was on KMBR today and said that uh, there were several teams trying to trade up in front of them to take Jake Moody. Yeah, I'm not I think he's lying. <laughs> there were three kickers taken, including Jake Moody. One went 13 picks later to the Patriots, and then another one went late in the sixth round. Yeah. The Lou Grozo Award winner, the best kicker in college, got signed as a UDFA.
4: Yeah, I'm not buying it. I think they understand that it was that there's a chance it was a reach. The and fact that fine. they're trying...
1: Right, but like...
4: I don't want to get into the Jake Moody conversation. Even draft night, they, they weren't really hiding the fact that even they thought yeah. it was a reach.
1: Right, which is nuts. Yeah.
4: I don't know. Anyway. Anyways, I, let's, let's start just, at the top. He's just got to be good. Like, he's got to be a top five kicker, or else we're just all going to look at that pick sideways. It's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And no, God I, forbid I, he costs him a playoff game. That would be rough,
1: dude. Or just any, any,
4: God forbid he costs him any game. Oh, man. So hopefully he's good. I would like for Jake Moody to be good because I don't enjoy the football discourse when a kicker. And it would
1: game. be so much better for the discourse if he's just good. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, wow, nice pick. Like, look at the Niners. Yeah, hey, they got a kicker, you
4: know, like, they got a kicker who's nails in the playoffs. Perfect.
1: And then we can go through and, like, look at all these other third-round picks that aren't playing. Yeah. No, fine pick. It's totally justifiable. But if he's an average kicker and he misses anything in the playoffs, it's like, all right, well. If he's an average kicker where it's like, oh, they could have drafted someone in the seventh round and then signed a UDFA and just had a full blown competition. Right. That's a tough look. Or even just brought Robbie Gold back. Maybe they just weren't even, maybe they just weren't super high on this draft class.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, but still.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, anyways, let's get let's get into this. Okay. So the first pick, they traded up and they took uh, Jair Brown, the safety from Penn State. I think he could eventually play like a Jimmy Ward role, but I think he's going to be a reserve safety in year one, and maybe he eventually, at some point, takes over for Tayshawn Gibson. But I think they signed Gibson because he knows what he's doing, and they're transitioning to a new defense. He's a veteran. And I think Jair Brown is more of a long-term safety pick.
4: Yeah, I mean, Tashawn Gibson is looking up his... He's going to be 33 in training camp. Frankly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Brown starts over him. Like, if he wins the job over him.
1: Hmm. Okay.
4: I just, like... I know Gibson played well. Um, I just thought he didn't play particularly fast. I know Brown is not known for being fast, and they're sort of similar in that from that standpoint.
1: So I saw a thing, and I, I wish I had saved it, but I didn't. I saw a thing that his his highest speed of the year was clocked at like over 21 miles an hour.
4: Yeah, he can get there.
1: Like that's moving.
4: Yeah, for sure.
1: I think he can get there.
4: But I don't like if if it's close, if it's close between Jair Brown and Tayshawn Gibson, it's not going to surprise me at all. If the 49ers just go to the younger guy. I thought yeah. it was wild last year what they did to Jimmy Ward.
1: No, I think so too. And also, I think the other thing about moving Tayshawn Gibson to the bench is you now have somebody as a reserve who can play either safety spot.
4: Yeah.
1: Instead of a rookie who you're trying to like, bring along and focus on one spot and learn the defense yeah like if if
4: Tayshaun Gibson loses half a step like that's a that's substantial like as a 33 year old if he loses half a step that's the difference between like good coverage and getting burned for a 50 yard touchdown yeah no doubt so I just I, I would I wouldn't be surprised at all if the 49ers are treating that position with a little bit more urgency than than they're putting off right now
1: yeah, and it says everything that they traded up to go get him. The yeah. rest of the draft, they were happy sitting there hanging out and just letting players fall to him. The Niners they do, Brown and they do love drafting for need. It's true. And that's why when Shanahan said that they only needed a starter at one spot, I'm like, eh, I think you mean to. Because Jair just... Brown, I think you trade up for and give just, him a shot to start. I just think I just don't know bad... if they're
4: gonna do it. I just think it's a bad way to look at the draft. I agree. Like, obviously, these dudes are good players players. in the building. Yeah, just just draft the best guys. Yeah. Draft the best guys who are available and stop trying to compare them to the guys who you already have on your roster. It doesn't make any sense to me. Just because you think some, like, I said this on Tracy's pod. I texted you guys about it earlier today. Sam Hubbard and Josh Sweat were like guys that were were there to be had in the middle rounds of the 2018 drafts, and Kyle Shanahan came out of that draft saying, "Oh, we didn't we didn't get any we didn't like any of these pass rushers because it's hard to beat
1: out Cassius Marsh." That's so wild. <laughs> but then, like, but then you look at all that. So Trent Williams was a trade. Um, Christian McCaffrey is a trade. They fell backwards into Nick Bow, so that was a layup at the number two pick. But then, like, Fred Warner, they did not need necessarily a linebacker in the third round. They had just drafted Reuben Foster in the first round the year before. And then they go third-round linebacker, and it's like, oh, hey, this is going to be your mic, and he's going to be the best off-ball linebacker in the league. They did not necessarily need a tight end when they drafted George Kittle in the fifth round. It was just like, yeah, hey, here's a tight end. So that's why I... I the idea of just drafting for need and like, yeah, hey, need a kicker? Pick one ninth. Need a defensive so. tackle? Go draft Javon Kinlaw. Right. That's another great example. So. But that's, yeah.
4: But um, any, in, in terms of Brown, though, I do think he's a good player. And I'm just, I agree. I, my point here is that it wouldn't surprise me at all if he starts starts early.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's. And, Okay. Even, I'll buy that
4: Tayshawn Gibson was a guy the 49ers got In free agency like in August
1: Yeah they, he was a camp body For their third preseason game
4: So just assuming that he's going to be starting yeah, Going into That's the season
1: fair. But I also kind of wonder If he came back Because they were like hey We need a starting safety And you're going to start Yeah I mean I there's know. a new coordinator That's true It's a very good point uh, second pick, Jake Moody. We've talked about him ad nauseum. He's going to kick.
4: He better be good.
1: Yeah, he better Maybe. win the job, right? Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
4: he's winning the job. He just has to be. You draft a kicker in the in the third round. He better be a top five guy.
1: That's it. Yep, that's it. That's the end of it. Yep. Um, I said I wrote something about that, and somebody on Twitter threw it in my face that they drafted Mitch Wisnowski in the in the fourth round. I was like, great. He's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't a third round pick, right? It wasn't a third round pick and a pick where they didn't or in a draft where they didn't pick until the uh, third round. And Wishnowski
4: is one of the best in the league at pinning. Correct. Pinning teams deep. Correct. He is dynamite at dropping. So in he in doesn't basketball. have like a booming leg. I know they call him the booming onion because he's Australian.
1: Oh, like outback.
4: Yeah, like Outback Steakhouse, because I'm sure, like in Australia, it's just loaded with Outback Steakhouses everywhere. I'm sure. They oh my are.
1: God, they just grow. They have they have trees that actually grow blue and onions. Oh really? Damn, that's yeah. crazy. it's wild. Um, no, but it was a fourth round pick, and he earned a second contract. Did you know Mitch Wisnowski is the only 49ers fourth round pick under Kyle Shanahan to earn a second contract?
4: Wow, that is that is good knowledge by
1: by your one of them Spencer Burford who's only in year 2 one of thems Joe Williams and the other one was
4: well so they also they didn't have a fourth round pick in 2020 yeah, only or 2021
1: made yeah it was joe williams spencer burford mitch Wisnowski, and it's going to frustrate me uh Contavia street yep nicely done thanks nice. so yeah it's not like it's a, a lot it's just funny that they're only, they're only second contract among fourth-round picks as a punter. Uh, let's move on to Cameron Lottu, the tight end out of Alabama. I think he's sneaky fun as a pass catcher. And I think he's going to... I don't know if he starts the season necessarily as the second tight end. But I think at some point we see him overtake Charlie Werner. So I think he's kind of a big swing.
4: Like, based on... Like I know they're high on his athleticism and his movement skills and all that, but the production wasn't necessarily there in college to warrant like a lot of people thought he'd be like a fifth round pick, Mm -hmm. but it's a swing in that they feel like there's a lot of potential there.
1: Right. Like he's still ascending as a pass catcher. He didn't catch a pass at Alabama. He was there for five years. He didn't catch a pass until year four. Right. So, So I think they think there's still a lot of growth to happen in that area.
4: Yeah. So I'm kind of intrigued just from thinking about it like that, like because they have hit on a couple of those guys, you're like, really? I don't, you know, what, what did you see about this guy in college? And they're like, nah, we just like, once he, once we ask him to do these specific things in Mm -hmm. our system, we think he's going to be at a different level than what he was in college. Like they've had a few like Fred Warner, George Kittle, like players like that Mm -hmm. where it's like, no, once we define exactly how we're using this guy and using him in our scheme, we think that's gonna work. Right. Um, so I, I'm optimistic about, about what Latu could be. I, I think he's probably the third tight end and just sort of takes Rostwelly's job.
1: Yeah, I think he's like I said, I think maybe if he really picks it up, he becomes the second tight end by the end of the year. Yeah. But there's just so much for tight ends to do in this offense, especially if he's gonna be like a move tight end, that it wouldn't shock me if it took him a couple of years to really get up to speed so yeah. I'm with you. I yeah, definitely and, think he starts as the TE3.
4: And and Charlie Warner is a pretty good blocker. Like he's not right. a pass catcher, but he is a pretty good blocker. And we know how much Kyle Shanahan just loves to have a blocking guy out there a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think Latu probably starts as number three. And then if he does turn into a good pass catcher, maybe you start seeing him more as a number two guy.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh next one, Daryl Luter, fifth round pick. Number one fifty-five overall, cornerback out of South Alabama. There's two things I really like about Darrell Luter. Darrell Luter. excuse me, got that dog in him, <laughs> and he has long arms. That's what we talked about. We taught we in our in our pre-draft pod, we taught talk, we talked so much about like cornerbacks that they could take late, and I was like, just make sure they have good size and have long arms. And he has enough athleticism. I think in year one, I think he is a special teams guy, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he just takes Ambry Thomas spot.
4: I was going to say, I think this pick is a direct challenge to Ambry Thomas. Yes. Be like, hey man, you're entering your contract year. You regress last year after showing promise in year two. Um, If you want to stick around, you have to be able to beat this guy out.
1: You're going into year three. His yeah. rookie year, year was twenty one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Year three.
4: So he's I mean But it's a make or break year for him. It's a make either way, yeah. It's a make or break year for Ambry Thomas. It's not his contract year, but it might as well be. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they the the reason one of the reasons why they took Looter was because they've not been thrilled with Ambry Thomas.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the the fact that we've seen I feel like we see this a lot with Niners players in this era where they have a good year one where it's like, oh wow, exciting. Like there, here's a here's a player that could be a factor moving forward, and then year two they disappear. And then Brandon Ayuk made it out of the deep end, and has turned yeah. into a really good player. Guys like Dante Pettis disappeared and never returned. So this is now that spot for Ambry Thomas. Like a okay, really promising year one started playoff games for them. Year two couldn't get on the field. Now, put up or shut up time. And if he yeah. beats out Darrell Luter, then, then great for the 49ers. It puts him back in a good spot with with the former third-round pick. Um, But I, I absolutely think that that's the, that's the roster spot Luter is going to be gunning for.
4: Yeah, and I think Ambry Thomas is the type of guy who, now that there is a new defensive coordinator, like if we get to the day before cut-down days and you see Ambry Thomas is traded for a f- six-round pick swap, Are you going to be surprised?
1: No. Yeah,
4: that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I think they're going into it like, yeah, we're going to give him a shot, but we clearly have not been super enchanted with everything we've seen from him recently. So we're going to add, we're going to add here.
1: Yeah. And I'm also, I'm also fascinated to see what kind of development happens in the secondary with Steve Wilkes in the building. Yeah. Defensive backs coach by trade. I'm, I, I, maybe it, maybe it's not going to matter. But I, I'm fascinated to see that. Um, next pick, number 173 overall, defensive end Robert Beal Jr. Made waves with his GTFO score, according to John Lynch. <laughs> That's their metric for getting off the ball. Gets out the ball like lightning. After that, TBD. I think he he's either going to be a rotational edge or a practice squad guy.
4: This to me feels like more than any other draft pick from the Niners in recent memory where they're just like a physical freak at a really important position.
1: Let's take it buried on a college depth chart. Let's just give it a shot.
4: Yeah, (laughs) Physical freak, premium position, fifth round pick. Sure. Like a sixth, Six, three and a half, four, four, four guy who mm. weighs 247 pounds with his arm measurements were, were weird at the combine. He's 34 and five eighths at his pro days, 34 and one eighth, but either way, anything over 34 is, is a long arm. Yeah. So he's super athletic. He's super long. He did have the 2021 season where he had seven and a half sacks in 15 games, sorry, six and a half sacks in 15 games. Um, so I
1: mean, he's raw, but like, I don't hate the swing. That's, that's the kind of player that I thought the Niners are going to draft top to bottom this year. Just like tons of athletic upside and see if it works out. And I like, I I'm in on the Robert Beal idea. Like he was at Georgia. If, if Robert Beal plays at Mizzou. Let me pick a shitty college, like Mizzou. Uh... <laughs> Have it turned out any good defensive lineman ever. Um No, I'm joking. But if he goes, if he went to like Mizzou or Texas AM or I don't know, and he's he has a nine and a half sack season in 21 and then eight and a half this year, he's probably going to like the third round. But he's yeah. he's buried on a depth chart in Georgia that has a million first round picks on it.
4: The thing I like about this is you are you're taking a guy with the traits that you typically like, and giving them to your best assistant coach, your best position coach, yes. Chris Right, right. So, like, if it doesn't work out, whatever. It's a fifth round pick. If it does work out, and you get a four, four, four pass rusher with thirty-four, whatever inch Ish. arms, <laughs> almost thirty-five inch arms, depending on who's measuring. <laughs> Like that's that could potentially be a uh, a really nice find in a row and
1: he's in the fifth like round. Yeah, fifth, that's their sweet
4: spot. They should just trade all of their this picks is, for all fifth rounders.
1: This is definitely the pick that in the draft that I could most see in like three years. Being like the Niners did it again, Chris Kasurik. Wide or, nine, or he could be Peter Talimoi Peno. Totally. No doubt. I, I'm not, I'm not saying he, I mean, he's definitely going to be this like awesome player, but of all these picks that we've talked about so far and we'll talk about, he's the one that's like, okay, I see the vision. I see the immense upside. Yeah. And or it's, maybe he's, he's not good at football.
4: He's kind of the, the D Ford style of pass rusher. Like he's not going to be your base Right, your base defensive end. He's a two hundred and forty-five pound guy who is coming in on third and long and pinning right. his ears
1: back. The samson Ebecom replacement. Yeah, but
4: Ebecom was good against the run.
1: That's a good point. You're right. Like he,
4: I think he's, I yeah, I think kind of D Ford. Like that role would be like the perfect, mm-hmm. like the if this if this pick is a slam dunk home run pick, he's playing like D Ford. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's a long shot.
1: Right, that is absolute ceiling, for sure. Fifth round. Um, I just said that Robert Beal was the player that I could look in the future and most see being like a stud. My actual answer for that is their next pick, D. Winters, the linebacker out of TCU, who went 216 overall. I would not be shocked one iota if he just follows the Dre Law path where he wins the Sam job this year. He plays here and there. He eventually takes over at will when Drake Greenlaw plays really well and prices himself out. And they just have another linebacker who's really good in coverage and super athletic. And they just continue to show that they've figured out how to manage the second level better than any team in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, if if
4: he came out this year and was just like a really good special teams player, that's a win.
1: Yeah. Like if he makes the totally.
4: team and is just a really good special teams player, mm-hmm. that's that's a great pick for the when do they get him?
1: Six rounds two sixteen overall.
4: Yeah. So I'm with you. Um I think you just have to look at him as a possible special teamer right now. But yeah. if he does play well, I absolutely see a world where, you know, if Dre Greenlaw's contracts up in a couple of years and they're like, Yeah, we got D winners here, kind of waiting in the wings. Would that shock you? No. Me neither. No, not at all. So, yeah, I, uh, Although, I'm Although i interested in the pick for sure.
1: As we talk about potential development of defensive backs with Steve Wilkes, I wonder if their development of the linebacker is going to suffer without D'Amico Ryans. Good point. Like maybe it's not just, yeah, hey, any fast linebacker is going to learn how to play the position at a really high level now. So that's going to be a really, really interesting uh, thing to watch. Moving forward. It looks like they still have Johnny Holland on the roster. Or on the coaching staff. Yes. I should say. Shout out to Johnny Holland. Yes. One of the goats. All right, let's jump over to round seven. Braden Willis, tight end out of Oklahoma. The 247th overall pick. More of a pass catcher type. Pretty good athlete. I still think they might move him to fullback. Or like, like an H-back full-blown move tight end. Doesn't really line up in line. Maybe splits out wide sometimes.
4: This feels like a guy who's probably going to be on the practice squad and might have a yeah. chance to to take Ross job next year.
1: Can I? I'm going to make a prediction for Brayden Willis. Okay. He has like a huge, like second or third preseason game <laughs> where he has like a monster run after the catch, or uh, like a like a mosses somebody for a touchdown or something like that. Travis Kelsey 2.0. <laughs> I don't want to go there. And then, like, and then, like, he has a couple of good blocks against a bunch of third or four stringers. And it's like, whoa, he can block. Look at this play after the catch. Is this just, oh, man. And then he winds up just going to the practice court.
4: And then they're going to peep, like, and if he does ever make a play, they're going to be people that tell you, I was on this guy. I told yes. you he was good. Yes. Like, every single. He's
1: well, my. Nobody... He's my...
4: Nobody gets dragged I, for being wrong about seventh round picks.
1: Right. People, I'm all in on all the seventh round picks. But people love to victory lap when they are right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna victory lap everything. Yeah. It's my new my new MO. Yeah, Braden Willis. I I thought he was a player that that they, they met with him, I think, a couple of different times. Um he's an interesting player to watch because he does do a lot of work after the catch and you see some like flashes of athleticism but a lot of what he does is just running wide open. And sometimes that's a skill like finding space in his own and just finding an open area of the field and getting open and being available and catching the ball and turning it, turning it upfield, especially in this offense. So maybe he does carve out some kind of role for himself in year one, but I'm with you. I think he's a practice squad guy. Yeah. Um, 253rd pick Ronnie Bell from Michigan. I'm going to pander to two members of our audience. Love this guy. number one Ronnie Bell fan. Ronnie, ring the bell. Wow, is nice. What I, call
4: him. I like that. Um, yeah, I I think he's going to be kind of the backup return man.
1: You think he makes the team?
4: No, but I think he's he's probably bound for the practice squad. I agree. And if Ray Ray McLeod gets hurt, then this is probably the guy you go to.
1: Yep. I'm with you there. Although, again... I think you're going to see a lot of those like all 22 clips on Twitter of like, look at this sick ass route by Ronnie Bell. Look how much separation he created. I think we're going to get a lot of that. Can't wait. I'm pretty dialed. I'm really excited for, for all this. Uh, last one. So Jalen Graham, Purdue linebacker, 255th pick. Did you read Matt Barrow's article where I, he talked to Scott McLuhan?
4: I did. I was going to ask you about that
1: scott McLuhan, big jalen graham guy it turns out yeah and this and, guy
4: might be more likely to be the lz's alshire replacement than d winners
1: yeah like and and scott McLuhan was talking about like dude put this guy on the edge and let him rush the passers like oh my god just <laughs> drop michael parsons right. what is this <laughs> round uh, seven micah <laughs> No, I, I so that that really made me interested because I I, I mean I had never heard of Jalen Graham before the Niners picked him, and so I just went I was watching as like okay it's just it's the dude like he's fine, um, but the fact that Scott McLuhan, who actually knows what the hell he's looking at with this stuff, is this high on a guy like that. I'm much more intrigued to watch him play football now. Yeah,
4: yeah, like I think. Of of the seventh round picks, I think Jalen Graham has the best opportunity to earn significant playing time early in his career.
1: Hmm.
4: Maybe even of the day three picks.
1: Yeah, I mean, the J- is... Jalen Graham D. Winters position battle. Buckle up! But the Niners like that big
4: physical like. Type for the Sam spot, whereas like I think winners is more of a will who's gonna like run and and chase yeah, you okay. down, right? I'll buy that. Like I, I think there are like if we're gonna make comparisons, I think you know winners comparing him to Greenlaw makes a lot of sense, and Graham comparing him to Alshire makes a lot of sense. Alshire and Greenlaw are like are very different linebackers, even though they play the same position.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I just don't know if Graham can move like Shire. Like, Shire was fast. Yeah. Shire was also drafted. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just... When I read that from Scott McClellan, I was like, oh, all right. But who knows? Yeah. I'm more excited now after A, reading Barrow's piece, if if you've not read that in The Athletic, do so. It's always fascinating. Um And then just kind of diving in a little further and figuring out, you know, where these guys are going to kind of fit. I'm a little more bullish on the draft class than I was in the day or two after the draft. I think I'm really hung up on taking a kicker 99th. I am too. Especially when it was like they need a tackle. They could use the defensive end. Um, And it's just like, nah, kicker. Okay.
4: Yeah, I, I just there there are things if he were better on longer kicks, if he made better than 82% of his kicks in college, then I would feel better about taking a kicker in the third round. If they yeah. had drafted Jake Moody in the fifth round. There would be no issues, I don't think I wouldn't have any issue with whatever. You no, know, I'm right there. Pick, I'm totally whatever. with you. Fourth, fifth, fourth round pick. You take him at the end of the fourth round. Fine. You trade Mid-fourth back. Fourth round even. Yeah, you trade back. Like, I'm, I'm just not buying that there's like this whole herd of teams that were trying to get Jake Moody. And if they were,
1: let them. Trade all back. These teams, get more all these teams that were hell-bent to get Jake Moody and then didn't draft a kicker at all? <laughs> what? Right. I don't know. I
4: don't know, man. Anywho. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the, the draft is the biggest... The NFL draft is the biggest crapshoot out of all the drafts, maybe except baseball.
1: Yeah. No, baseball is definitely the number one.
4: Yeah, But nobody NFL pays attention to the thing. baseball draft.
1: Right. Let's get out of here.
4: Let's do it.
1: I'm excited to dive further into this draft class. I'm also excited for the players to get on the field, so we can talk about that. Yes. Maybe, right.
4: maybe we'll be going to
1: uh, some offseason some OTAs and things like I that. I would love that for us. Yeah, we probably get in there. Great. Let's do that. Let's do that. Niners, a lot of sin.
4: Well, uh, we'll hit people on the hip.
1: We know people. You know people. <laughs> I'm just riding your coattails, dog. No coattails. <laughs> <laughs> um, subscribe, rate, review. We should have some pretty cool stuff coming up, actually. Like, legitimately, not just saying that, like, like we've got some cool stuff, uh, in the works, behind the scenes, that, uh, that I'm pretty excited. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. All right.
4: We will uh, right. talk to you guys later. Bye, everyone.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.